no one understands it until they go through it. I feel like I'm the best version of myself the day he walked out that door. Welcome to Better Together with Kasi Epifonsev, a podcast on parenting, business, and living life intentionally. We're here every week to bring you thoughtful conversation on making your own path to success, challenging the status quo, and finding all the ways we're better together. Here's your host, Kasi Epifonsev. Hey y'all, this is Costa, and today I'm here with my guest, Randy Strong Barksdale, owner and founder of Jet Set Planning, Senior Managing Director at Clover Lake Cottage, founder of Upper Cumberland Women, and most importantly, mother to Amelia James Barksdale. Today we're talking about divorce in the wedding industry. Randy, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your perspective on such an emotional and vulnerable subject. Can you tell us about your journey in the wedding industry? What inspired you and did you always want to be a wedding planner? Well, to be honest, um, my journey in the wedding industry... I always go back to the movie, The Parent Trap. I love Lindsay Lohan, no matter how crazy she is. I absolutely love her. And my favorite scene was the girl wearing the wedding gown, having the photo shoot. And then, of course, her mother pulling her in and trying on all the things, all the dresses. And so with my mom being Mrs. Tennessee back in the day, um, I always felt like I always had that moment just like she did, except, well, you know, with pageant dresses. So that was my my love for weddings and when it started. And I feel like every little girl, you know, they, they've seen that movie and they're like, oh my gosh, I would absolutely love to have a dress like that or a moment like that. So with my mom owning Magnolia Gems Bridal, we ended up having a lot of people coming to the store. Originally started just being real Norman, which is makeup, but then Magnolia Gems Bridal was added, which is the dress industry side of the business. And people were buying their prom gowns with us and they were coming back saying, we need to have a wedding gown. I was in college at that point. And so people were like, hey, Randy, what do you think about these colors? And what do you think about this for the centerpiece? You know, and I was just like, I think it's pretty, you know, honey, whatever makes your little heart happy. Sure. So I just felt like people kept on asking me my opinion and what colors went with their dresses or their fabrics. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to make this a business. So it literally started on my dining room table the day I graduated college in 2013. And I thought, you know what, with working in the dresses, I can just go ahead and just add something else to do. This sounds great. So we started doing wedding planning in 2013 and we're still doing it. So wedding and event planning now, not just weddings. Well, and, and you have such a such a great personality. I think weddings, especially managing a wedding, you've really got to sort of tap into like love or, or maybe not. But, you know, there's this high expectation of what a wedding is supposed to be like for people. So how did you sort of grow? grow this business of being a wedding planner? Well, my parents have always told me that you need to work for yourself. You can be your own boss. You can make your own hours. You can work as little or as much as you want to. And with that, just in the back of my mind with my parents being entrepreneurs, my dad, he used to build houses. And then of course, my mom owns her business and then also works for St. Thomas. And my dad's a school teacher. We don't know how to just do one thing. So with going back to the wedding industry, I wanted to do something that I could help 
people, make a difference, make their lives a lot easier. My degree is in organizational communication, and then I have a master's in strategic planning and event planning. And so I just love being able to create a special day for someone because let's be honest, when you get married, the happiest day, honestly, is your wedding day. And then sometimes it can go south or sometimes, you know, you have moments where you want to kill each other and then you love each other the next day. But everybody's always happy when it starts. So I knew I wanted to be a part of that moment. Um, And also just with the girls buying their gowns from us and the guys getting their tuxes, it was so nice helping them with their prom attire, seeing them, you know, man up, woman up and be able to have the new moment with them. You know, that's going to be a photo on their wall, hopefully for the rest of their life. Right. So honestly, just creating that moment. I'm all about moments as sappy as that sounds, but it's very true. What's the worst and best part of being in the wedding industry? Hmm. The worst part for me, um, I feel like as I've gotten older, is people feeling like it needs to be a production. For example, I I literally should write a book because I have had clients want to come in on elephants on a farm in middle of nowhere. And I'm just like, where do you even get an elephant? I didn't. I was like, this is not happening. We are not doing, we are not going to have you come in on an elephant. And I think that's the hardest part especially for the new brides of this generation, it needs to be a production. And, you know, no matter how fancy all your decor is and all your photos are, you know, you want to capture a moment that's perfect for your clients. But then at the same time, what's frustrating for me is for them to not realize what really matters is the person who is across from you. So that's been my issue here lately. And people just wanting to have these extravagant, massive weddings and COVID's still going on. That's one thing that sort irritates me. Have you been affected by kind of the whole supply chain issues and just stuff not being available in stores? Has that affected you at all? Um, A little bit. Some things have. I know the flower industry is a hot mess right now because some things are in, some things are not in. But again, I really, to be honest, have enjoyed that because it teaches my clients to really focus on what matters. You know, to me, now that I've been there, done that kind of thing, and of course, some of them have been married before and some of them have not. I think it's good for them to see and to go through all the changes because it honestly tests their relationship. Yeah. You know, their flowers may not be in or, you know, a certain dress may not be in and they're having to make do or change. And it's been nice. And sometimes, to be honest, weddings have been canceled because of things like that. So I'm like, good thing you figured it out now. Yeah. No <laughs> Instead kidding. of walking down the aisle and divorcing because you're hating them five minutes after the wedding. If I may, what's it like? to get a divorce while you're working in the wedding industry. I mean, that just seems so difficult. I mean, you're surrounded by this new beginnings love, like I mentioned, and you're going through this incredibly difficult and and traumatic experience at the same time. It really is just a wave of emotion. During that season, my divorce started in 2019 and just finished February of 2021. It was really ugly. And To be honest, you think you would feel hatred or anger, but to me, I really felt like that year of 2019 for me, and also, of course, 2020 with COVID was a rough year, but for 2019, I felt like every client that I took on that year, I interviewed them, and I told them, hey, this is what I'm going through. I want you to know um, I value marriage. My parents have been married 40 years next year. Wow. And, you know, I always grew up 
my parents were like, I want, we want you to find somebody who their parents are married because that means that they've made it and they value marriage. But now that I'm divorced, I feel like it's okay if you date somebody that their parents aren't married because they can't help their situation. Right. You know, so honestly, I still loved it, um, still do love it. And I would interview him and I just would come up with questions like, you know, why do you love him? Why do you love her? What's one thing that you hate about him? You know, what do you want them to change? And I sort of felt like I was their therapist, but really not. But it really helped me to figure out if I felt comfortable enough with my client's love story to move forward to plan their event. Do you think it improved the quality of the wedding because you were able to interview them? Oh, yeah. I felt like that year, a lot of my clients were like, you know, I didn't I didn't know that he didn't like that about me. Or, you know, hey, my favorite story was where the guy hated Robin Egg Blue and his wife wanted it literally like she would vomit it up if she could. It was awful. I was just like, sister, we are not doing this. This is awful. And he was like, you know, I really hate Robin Egg Blue. And that's going to be in our wedding. And she was like, well, why didn't you tell me? He said, I, I didn't want to hurt your feelings, but I hate it. Like, I hate it. Like all capital letters. And um, she was like, okay, well, we'll just change it. You should have just told me. Or, you know, to be honest, I also had a few clients that they didn't get married. So it really wasn't to try to you know, cause anything to happen. But I feel like on their own, they were just like, this is not going to work. These are some deep questions we've never thought about. But to be honest, I wanted to plan an event for someone in a wedding, you know, for my clients where they were happy and they truly had a connection. And I knew that if they did that, I would feel better going forward planning their event. What's it like working on a wedding and they just decide not to go through with it? Do they just break up altogether or do they just uh, say maybe it's not the right time? Um, I heard so many stories. Oh, we're going to move a date. Oh, we're going to do this. You know, oh, he did this or she did this. But to be honest, it it made me happy because I would rather them know now than have to go through what I've been through. I'm glad that you all can have figured that out. And I'm happy for you guys. And if you ever need anything later on, please let me know. So it was honestly, I think it was a good thing. Was getting divorced the most difficult thing that you've ever done in your life? Well, there's different things that have happened in my life that have been difficult. I feel like divorce for me was literally a death. I don't know any other way to describe it. It was it was really ugly. Knowing what I know now, I'm like, peace out, Girl Scout. Like, I'm done. You know, if I knew what I knew now, she could have had them, you know, a long time ago. But to be honest, I feel like I feel myself again. And I know that sounds crazy, but no one understands it until they go through it. I feel like I'm the best version of myself the day he walked out that door. On that note, how can women that are getting a divorce, especially single moms, how do they maintain their confidence and their strength during what in a lot of ways is, like you said, a death? I mean, just such a difficult time to navigate these types of challenges. For me, I journaled a lot. Of course, went to therapy and spent time with my daughter. I realized whenever I became a mother that little things didn't matter. And all, you know, cleaning the house, trying to get the laundry done, trying to take care of everything that I could actually control in my life. It just, it didn't matter anymore. Uh, One of my really good friends, I think of Sabrina Brazel. She's, she and I, we go way back. She's from Jackson County. I went to school in Clay County. We just call ourselves good old country girls, but she's a single mama. And we talked yesterday and I said, you know what? I said, I don't feel like people understand how hard we work. Like we provide for our daughters, but then we also, you know, we 
want to spend time with them. And mom guilt is such a hard thing. Like I have it constantly. And I always feel like I can never spend enough time with my baby. Well, it's just, it's not fair either because, you know, you... You're only one person, yeah. you know, and there's these hot, these expectations to just be absolutely perfect. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, you know? I feel like a lot of the times society puts that on people, you know, for me, like good old Southern girl from Cookville, you know, you think, oh, well, you know, I'm going to go to high school and then I'm going to go to college and then I'm going to meet the one I'm going to get married. I'm going to have lots of babies, have a white picket fence and be a working mom and make cookies and cook chili and do all these things. And you just don't, you know, I mean, sometimes it's like, hey, sissy, what do you want to eat? Do you want mama to cook Cracker Barrel or Zaxby's? What are we doing tonight? And, you know, that's okay. But old Randy, that was not okay. Because again, it's built in your head. I have to live to a level of expectation of my grandmother or of my mother. I told my mom when I had Amelia, I remember my ex-husband wanted me to stay home and financially we were able to do so. But I just remember being home and just going crazy and looking at my mom saying, I now understand being a working mother. I respect you so much more because I didn't realize that I felt like for myself, staying at home would be okay, but it wasn't. I needed to do both because I feel like when you are that single mom, you don't want to give up yourself. And then you also want to take care of your your child, but you don't want to feel guilty. But I feel like when you are forced into being a single mother, you have to balance. Yeah. And for me, that was really hard. So for any moms out there, I would just say, don't lose who you are because when you do, you can't be the best version of you for your child. What advice would you give your younger self? You know, I thought about this question. I was up at 3.30 this morning thinking what, but you know, when I thought about it, I thought, what would I want to tell Amelia? Not just myself. Like what would I want if she was me? What would I want her to know? Stay your path. And I guess what I mean by that is for me, I don't think that she's going to be this way because she's a Capricorn. But for me, I'm a giver and I want everybody that I love to be happy before I'm happy because seeing them happy makes me happy. But then now that I'm a mom in the midst of everything, I forget that I need to be happy. And so probably I would tell my younger self to put yourself first and don't feel guilty about it. Because at the end of the day, especially now that I've gone through a divorce, the only person that's going to take care of you is you. And now that, you know, I was at rock bottom and I feel like now I'm like, again, I feel like when you're a mom, you have uh, you have Disney analogies. And I feel like the guy on Mulan that's like, I'm king of the rock. You know, I, f- I feel like now that I'm on top of the rock that when I was at my lowest point, you're forced to make decisions and that you don't want to make. And I would just tell my younger self to take the leap of faith, focus on what you want to do and screw everybody else. I mean, when you were in that position and you were trying to put your life back together, I mean, what what emotions were you feeling? Were you angry? I mean, were you sad? I mean, did you question everything? I remember literally laying in bed. And of course, you remember dates. Um, You know, he left in June. And I remember just laying in bed thinking that he was mad at me for buying moving totes. We were in the middle of moving, of buying a brand new home. It was going to be our forever home. He told me what he wanted. He said, I want to have, you know, a ranch home. That way, if we ever need to take care of our parents, if they get older, we can. I want something where if my mom and dad needed to come, they could have their own into the house. So what do I do? I go and I find it. Perfect home. And I just remember... I remember 
we literally we had to write a letter to the people who owned the home of why we wanted the house because there was a lot of offers. So I thought HGTV, you know, at 1 a.m. when with a newborn, you're like, I'm going to write a letter and we're going to get this house. Well, it worked. And uh, Natalie Stout was our realtor. She's a saint. And I just remember we sold our home. Someone already put an offer in who I might add, karma is crazy and life, God is so good. But it was crazy because the people who bought our home was a single mom with a little girl. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, this is insane to me. But I didn't want to back out of the deal because I knew that she was exactly where I was at, just farther down the road. So I remember laying in bed, just being like, is this really happening to me? And being so pissed off because I checked all the boxes. I did every single thing that you're told to do right, but it still happened to me. And I remember thinking, you know, are you really this angry over moving totes? Like I didn't understand. And of course, I don't want to dog my ex-husband on, you know, on a podcast. He already knows how much I dislike him. So he doesn't need a reminder. But I just remember being so mad. And they say there's all these different stages. But knowing what I know now, him leaving was the best thing that ever happened to just me. And, you know, with working my mom's business during that time, I went back to work. I had a, a customer and God rest her soul, she passed away. She had cancer and she passed away. But she looked at me and she I w- I've waited on her since I was nine years old. So she was family. And she says, Randy, she said, would you want Amelia to be treated like this? And I said, well, no, you know, Miss Elizabeth, absolutely not. She says, then why are you allowing yourself to be treated like shit? And she never, you did not hear her say a bad word. And that literally was a light switch for me because I did not want my child to see me weak. And I always felt like I needed to have joy in every situation. And again, writing really helped me. I wrote my ex-husband a 12-page letter, front and back, told him, like the whole slogan of it was, you're not going to take my joy. Like you have taken everything from me, but you're not going to take my happiness and you're not going to take my joy. And that was closure. I'm never going to know what happened, truly. And you know what? I don't I don't care. I don't want to know because I feel like people who tell lies start to believe their own lies and they don't know the truth from a lie because it gets entangled. And so it's a process. The emotion that you have, you cannot describe it. My aunt, my mom's sister went through a divorce and, you know, our family thought she was crazy wanting to drive around uh, listening to Adele. But, you know, who else better to listen to than Adele? For me, it's Adele and Brooks and Dunn. I love those guys. Ronnie Dunn is like his voice voice. I joke, I joke and say, if his voice could be a perfume, I would wear it every day. I love him (laughs) so much, but I would, I, I got it. And I remember just when Amelia was with her dad uh, during that time, I remember just driving around and singing at the top of my lungs and trying to clear my thoughts out and just really trying to figure out who I was. And being alone for me is I'm not good at it, but I really tried and I think it helped me heal. Have you changed a lot since that experience, since your divorce? You know, I feel like everybody changes. Uh, I remember um, getting married and people telling, I got married at 21, got engaged when I was 20. I remember people saying who you are when you're 20 is not going to be who you are, who you are when you turn 30. Thank God I'm not 30 yet. Um, I think I'll be okay when I turn 30, but the change for me was realizing that what I thought mattered 
didn't matter anymore. And when you literally have a five month old baby looking at you and again, you feel like you're going through a death of your husband who you thought was your best friend. So this happened when your baby was five months old. So you are, so you have a a newborn baby. You just sold your house. Yeah. Had to move in with my parents. Found out on a Monday from my uh, banker that my husband canceled the house and I had no idea. Wow. Literally like we were, we had no place to go. Thank God for my mom and daddy. Imagine how strong you are of a person. Well, thank you. I mean, in your 20s with a newborn baby with no place to live and you're also an entrepreneur at the same oh, yeah. time, you know, so you're grinding on that end as well. I, I'm I'm astounded. I feel like you really, truly realize, again, what matters most, but who matters most. And you really find out who your friends are when you're at your lowest point. And I can count my closest friends on one hand. I used to could count friends and quotations, you know, on both hands. But then when it just started being about, well, what happened between you guys? And I heard this about you and I heard this about you. And, you know, what did he do? And, you know, I realized you just want to know the gossip because your life is so sucky that my life makes you feel better. And that's a poor piss person, in my opinion. So I just started, you know, telling him what I thought. And that was old Randy, you know, back whenever I was 18. Like, I'm enough like my mom and my dad to tell you what I think. But then sort of, you know, got more reserved when I got married. And then I feel like the divorce opened that can of worms back up. But I would just be like, you know what, honey, I'm not going to tell you my gossip. I'm not telling you my business. Um, I think you're a pitiful friend to only invite me to dinner because you want to know about my shitty life. And I'm not going to tell you. And I'm leaving right now. Here's the bill. You can take Take care oh, of it. I Thank you. That. It changes you. But I feel like some people find themselves through tragic incidents. And I feel like I found out who I truly was and what I loved about myself and what I didn't like about myself and what I needed to grow and learn on. But doing that while being a mom, I felt like my first year with my daughter's life was literally stolen from me because I put so much effort in the why. Why did you do this? How could I fix it? You know, I'm enough like my mom to want to fix an issue. But then when I realized I wasn't the problem, it was him. I learned to heal. And to be honest, another thing that changed my life was Dr. Averett, my therapist, or I guess he has his PhD, whatever. He's like, I call him the king. That's his name in my cell phone, the king. He looked at me and he said, Randy, you are wearing a ring of broken promises. And people who lose their spouses who are widows hold on to a ring because they're holding on to a memory that they loved and cherished. And you are wearing a ring of broken lies and it's time to take it off. And I took my ring off. How long did you wear it for? Um, Well, he left in June and I took it off on his birthday. It's November 14th. And the moment that I did that was the hardest thing. Like when you ask what was the hardest thing, because I've had that ring since I was 20 years old. Besides my ring, probably the most tragic thing for me, um, which sounds insane, but you know, it is what it is, is I had a necklace. It was an airplane necklace he bought me when I was 18 for Christmas that year. And it was a Tiffany charm necklace. And so that necklace that he gave me whenever I was 18, it was literally, um, I wore it on my wedding day. And so I knew that the moment I took that off, that I was done. And I took it off. And when you take off jewelry, I don't know, it's like a weird mind game. I completely started healing and I felt so much better. And that was when I sort of just chose to love myself. But I kept it. 
you know, for Amelia, kept it for Amelia. Um, I kept my wedding band for Amelia and then I kept the necklace for Amelia, but I sold my um, engagement ring that I found out my dad ended up purchasing. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fun fact. Wow. Yeah. So wait a minute. So he didn't even buy the, the ring. Your dad bought mm-hmm. it for him? Yep. Wow. But it's okay. I sold it and got a boob job. Nice. So yeah. I, and he said, did you keep your ring? And I said, you're going to have to look at it for the rest of your life right here, right on my chest. That's it. So yeah, it was fun. During the period of June and November, you know, my parents, they're divorced. Yeah. So I do have some experience, not obviously personal experience, but as a kid, were you kind of hanging on a little bit, just trying to see if things may go back to how they were? You know, I was embarrassed. It was normal for me to not be seen with him because he wasn't home. He was a pilot and still is a pilot. And he is a fantastic pilot. I will always give him credit when credit is due. But when I found out more of what happened, So fun fact, his mistress, now girlfriend, is a flight attendant for the company that he works for. And he had an affair with her. And again, I don't know the whole story, but I just know, you know, a little bit. The caddy and Southern thing that I did. And people are like, are you proud of it? Do you wish you would have done it? Probably not now looking back. But I feel like when you're going through divorce, you you have a moment where you're like, I'm done. Yeah. And people were talking. And again, being from here, I don't like people spreading things that aren't true. Right. So for Halloween... I was a flight attendant who looked just like his girlfriend. <laughs> and it was Amelia's first Halloween. And I already had a pumpkin outfit planned. Like, you know, when you're pregnant, I'm sure with your wife, you already plan what they're going to be for Halloween while, you know, they're in your womb. And I, Amelia was going to be a pumpkin. It was a big deal. So the first thing I ever put on the internet was cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. Oh, wow. And I was the flight attendant and Amelia was the pumpkin. So that moment, people started knowing what was going on. Yeah. And they could put two and two together. Yeah, that was a little catty, I know, but... Well, I mean, you know... I'm you're, not sorry. Well, you're also... <laughs> and, and you're going through a very emotional time. Yeah, you, you know, are. Your life has literally been turned upside down. I'm sure that, you know, when you were 20 years old, things were probably different, but you can't help but think, did all of this get built on a house of cards? You know what I mean? He and I do not see eye to eye, but as I told him yesterday, I am only playing the cards that you dealt me. I will always teach our daughter to love and respect you because you are her father, but it's not my job to make sure she has a relationship with you. That's your job. I'm not going to promise her anything from you because if I do, look what you did to me. So I never want Amelia to hate her dad and I want her to always love him and respect him and as well as his family, as well as my family. And to me, the beauty of all of this is that this happened when she was young and it's the only life she knows. So it's her normal now. She doesn't know how life was before. And so to me, that's the blessing in disguise. This is her new normal. So it's November. You take the ring off. What comes next? I mean, how do you start beginning to build your life and pick up the pieces? I started working like a crazy lady, literally like a crazy lady. And I just put Amelia on my hip and she was right there with me every step of the way. Because when you're a single mom, you have no other option. And so you just literally you do what you have to do. I just figured it out. To be honest, like you work so hard that you are so exhausted and you're tired by the time that you really want to sit and ball your eyes out. It's time to watch Coco Melon and go to sleep. So that's just what you do and you and you just wake up and you do it again. So you're engaged now. And that ring, by the way, is beautiful. Thank you. Like I said, 
God has a sense of humor and I would never put me and Henry Fincher together, but he is a breath of fresh air. Well, I mean, you're working all the time. You're, you know, like I said, you're putting the pieces of your life back together. How do you, how do you and Henry meet? Oh my goodness. Well, long story short, um, I've known him my entire life. Okay. His dad used to work with my dad back at the old junior high and my mom used to work with his ex-wife and I used to watch his baby girl who now is 21. Catherine's 21. We just visited her in Gallatin. She goes to MTSU and literally have known him my whole life. So, I mean, you know, we've just known each other. How'd you guys start dating? You know, my divorce was final. During COVID, my mom's business shut down because, you know, the sort of the state sort of made them. So um, law was still going on. And I told him, I was like, Henry, he was my lawyer, by the way. Oh, okay. Uh, fun nice. fact, yeah. And I said, I need a job and I don't know what to do. And I need something that's going to work with Amelia and her calendar and her schedule. Because at the time I didn't have daycare. It was just Mother's Day out. I need to find a job. He said, you just work for me. You're organized. You color code everything. You make table of contents for things. You make my life easy. Just work for me. The pandemic again, you know, like I said, happened. He was in Paris, the hard life he had. He went on vacation, got stuck by choice, I might add, um, in Paris for almost three months. And I'm just me and Linda at the office. We're just working, working, working. You know, he comes back and I'm still working. But I never really have dated since MySpace was cool. So Jonathan's sort of the only boy boyfriend ever had. And then the day of my divorce, I remember Henry telling me, he said, hey, you can go out to eat with people now, you know, if you want to go out to eat with somebody. And I was like, well, I I guess I could. And my mom and dad were there because, you know, when you divorce a Southern girl, you divorce the family. So we're all there in the office. And he's like, yeah, you can go to dinner. And I'm like, huh, well, I'll have to go through my inbox and just scroll and see who I want (laughs) to buy me a free meal. He was like, no, I'm asking you to dinner. I'm like, me and you going to dinner. Okay, that'll be fun. That'll be a new talk of the town. But, you know, everybody, they have their own opinion. But, you know, I really don't care. So here we are. We're engaged six months later. You've definitely been through it. So, I mean, at this point, what does it matter? You know, as long as you're happy. Yeah. And I want Jonathan to be happy. I want him to be happy with whoever he chooses to be with. You know, again, I feel like when you're happy, you you are the best version of yourself. But Kenry, he's great. He's a dreamboat. Now, did you guys already plan your wedding? Um, Yes. Do you have to hire a wedding planner? Well, you know, when you've been there, done that, you just don't want to do it again. We went to elope and Morgan Franklin is going to take some awesome photos of a beautiful location that I would love to share with you, but I can't because I haven't told my mom yet of where I'm going. But I'll tell you um, as soon as this podcast comes out, mom. We don't want a party. And people are going to have a big party. Nope. No, we're not. We're just going to elope. We're going to eat cake and we're going to be happy. So we started this podcast talking about the expectations that a lot of people in the South, you know, I mean, I would consider you to be like a Southern belle. You know, you were in pageants. I mean, you're obviously beautiful. You've grown up your entire life having to, like you said, check certain boxes. And now you get to just enjoy your life with the man that you love. And the boxes don't matter anymore. My friends that know me in high school, they're like, Randy, you're a whole new person. But then you're still the girl that we remembered. You are now yourself again. It's just nice to be back and nice to feel like I'm in control of my life. And that's why I love Henry so much, because he adds to me. He doesn't take away. 
my mom and I were joking. I was like, you know, mom, I just, I love him so much. He just gets on my nerves sometimes. But I mean, I actually like holding his hand in the car and I am not a PDA person. And she's like, that's when you know you love someone when you can't keep your hands off of them. And I'm like, this is insane. I've never felt this way before. (laughs) So he's, he's just so good. But you know, I knew going forward, I wanted what I always thought that I had. I feel like with Henry, he truly loves Amelia and she calls him Baba because he always sings Baba Black Sheep to her. And it's funny, Baba actually means father in several different languages. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like with me comes her and I know that he loves her like his own. So it takes a special person to put up with a divorced woman. Randy, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for being so honest and so transparent. We always like to end the show on a high note. Who is someone that makes you better when you're together? Well, I'm sure you are going to think I'm going to say Henry. And honey, although I love you, it's, it's not you. It's Amelia. Of course, it's my baby. She is the light of my life. She's so sassy. I, I gave birth to my mother. She's just two and a half, but the love that she has for everybody She's just perfect. And of course, every mother feels like their child's perfect. But she wakes up and she goes, good morning, mama. We're going to have a great day. And, you know, on the way to school, it's so funny because I feel like you see your parent come out in you, whether it be your mom or your dad. It's funny because in the back of my mind, I hear my mom constantly, whether it be good or bad, you know, being the Southern Belle that she is. And I don't know why it just comes out. It's like, oh, Cindy, there she is. She's in my mouth. But on my way to school this morning with Amelia, I was like, we're going to have a great day. I want to, and I'll, you know, I'll say, repeat after mommy, we're going to have a great day. Mama, we're going to have a great day. Or, you know, I'll say, I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful, mama. I'm so pretty. I'm a queen. Like she'll just, she really thinks her gender is a queen. I want her to hear that now the way I did when I was little, because the more you say it, the more you're going to believe it. She just is a lot of my life and she just makes me so much better. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Better Together with Costa Yepafonso. If you enjoyed listening and you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a review, or better yet, share this episode with a friend. Better Together with Costa Yepafonso is a Costa Yepafonso production. Writing and production by Morgan Franklin. Want to find out more about Costa? Visit us at costayepafonso.com. We're better together.